Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, home of the Firebird Book Awards, the Positive Change Podcast Awards, and this podcast, The Authors on Fire. I am Pat Rulo, happy to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author, P.J. Mahoney, and the book is titled Lost Heritage. Born in southern rural Ontario, P.J. is an avid traveler and a writer. She also has a deep love for animals and enjoys helping rescue groups when she is able. She can often be found on the road to her next adventure with her dogs as co-pilots and with a passion for animals and weaving tales. She combines the two for a magical adventure through new lands. Any animal lover is a friend of mine, so welcome to the network, PJ. Hello, thank you. Thank you, Pat. (laughs) I'm happy to have you here and congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Thank you. It was exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a big step to enter a book award contest. You never know, kind of sit there and wait with anticipation. So I'm always really thrilled on announcement day when I get to share the good news. Before we get into your book, I was thinking about rescue animals. What is it that attracts you to rescue animals? Mm, Well, to start off, I am a bit of an empath with animals and I often read animals, so when I come across an animal that needs help, I'm instantly there to help. I have I belong to a Boston Terrier rescue, and I have two rescues of my own right now. And even though I have one as a puppy and one and two of them that are rescues, it's amazing to see how they come out of their shell and blossom and become confident, independent animals that uh, enjoy learn to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a sense of accomplishment that I enjoy. You know, absolutely. I get that. I always loved animals. When I was a kid, I had one time, I think I had 12 guinea pigs and mice and, all, you know, just rabbits and all kinds of things. And then my mom was the kind of person where she didn't want any animals in the house. So we weren't allowed to have any animals. Uh, so I never grew up with dogs or cats, just guinea pigs in the garage. So they didn't have to be in the house. But um, once I realized the connection, I feel like I'm the same with you, um, an empath where most animals, actually, I could feel like I'm having a conversation with them, obviously without words. And I have done some healing, I know, with my own cats. I had one that was very, very sick, and she and I just connected. And I eventually ended out um, studying Reiki and getting a becoming a Reiki master, specializing in cats, of all things, um, because of my experience with some of my own cats. So when I saw that you loved animals like this, I just automatically felt connected to you on that level. Well, I started out when I was very young. I started out, um, I would look after, I would house sit for people who had animals who had mental or physical issues that couldn't go to kennels. So they need to have somebody come in and look after them. Uh, oftentimes there would be animals that literally wouldn't tolerate anybody else, but I could gain their trust. Mm-hmm. And I did this for quite a few years. I did, I, that's what I used to do. Uh, when I started coming out of my shell about 10 years ago, I learned that I was more telepathic with it. I learned that I learned Reiki. So 
so I'm also a Reiki master. Um, and I learned to connect easily with animals so that if there is an issue, that there is a problem, I can, I can connect with them and try and help find their, their issues that they need. And it really does give you a sense of purpose and a deeper insight to what's going on. Oh, there's so much to that that is life-changing for you as the human, really. And I would imagine that most people have this capability, but just haven't tapped into it or given it thought. I mean, I don't know if it's special or where it comes from, but uh, I would encourage everybody to at least think in that direction because the connection you could forge with an animal is just, it's even bigger than, than you might have with a human. It's a very spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. Um, they they can teach you so much without you actually asking them. Yeah. They teach you patience, tolerance, uh, unconditional love, and and if you would actually listen and watch them, they express so much that as humans we forget we forget to look at each other. And uh, it, it's a very, it is, every time I get a new rescue in, it's a new learning experience mm-hmm. for me. Okay, this dog has this problem. Watch, learn. They will tell you. Yes. It is amazing. Oh, I love this. I have 13 cats who found me. I, I never set out to. In fact, um, I had an extreme cat allergy my entire life where if I even walked into somebody's home that had a cat, I couldn't stay for more than three minutes. I would sneeze and break out. And one day this little kitten showed up on my uh, back deck. The mother had had a litter and left these kittens. And I thought, what am I going to do with this little guy? And I went outside and thought, all right, I'm going to touch her and see what happens. I thought I'd explode in hives and nothing happened. And then I thought, all right, I'll start petting her. And then I brought her into the garage and then I landed in the basement and then she eventually came into the house and this mother kept having more and more litters and so eventually I have 13 until I could finally get her trapped and and uh, get her spayed but uh, again to be extremely allergic and then come out of it where now there's conversations all day long with these cats is it's pretty amazing to me mm, I love I love stories like that it just it shows that we're so much more than we than we think we are. Mm-hmm. It really does. And that's why your book resonated with me with the with the silver fox. I uh, as soon as I read that, I thought, oh my, I'm I'm connecting here with you and with this story. So uh, maybe give us a look inside. Give us a peek as to what our uh, listeners might find when they pick up a copy of your book. Okay. Now it starts with a in the beginning. It starts with a child that's orphaned in a forest fire. And he seems a little lost. And as he grows older, this fox keeps appearing to him. And once he finally, you know, in university, he he realizes he's at a dead-end job and he's not going anywhere. The fox finally asks him if he's ready. Well, this now young adult crosses over into a magical new land and discovers his newfound abilities, which happens to be deal with animals. I don't want to give a whole lot of it away. No, don't give too much. <laughs> but he, he discovers um, a, a, a traveling group that he, he goes with. He found finds um, new connections with animals. And during his adventure, he discovers who he can trust and who his, uh, who his parents really were and what his destiny really is. Wow. And this is your first book, right? This is my first, first. book, mm-hmm. yes. So where did this idea come from? 
Ah, I was in Bonavista, Newfoundland. And as I'm sitting there in the van, this marbled fox ran around my van. We travel in a van. And this marble fox ran around the van, and I just thought that was just the most amazing thing to see. Mm-hmm. That night, while I was sleeping, the silver fox actually came to me oh. in a dream. And I've been so connected, felt like a spirit Alice so connected. And I just felt like I, I had to start writing. Mm-hmm. So I started writing this story, and it's basically the landscape is based in Newfoundland. And it's it because I was just so connected with the animals there and the landscape and that it was just an inspiration to keep writing about it. Oh, and I love that story. That I knew there had to have been something other than a purposeful. Let me think about what I'm going to write about. I knew there was a story behind this. If this is your first book, had you written before? Oh, there's there's a funny story. I was never good at English. In fact, they had to lower the bar for me to actually pass English in school. I had a tutor. I, I got into a college, but my tutor actually quit, so I, could, I couldn't even pass college. So I've never felt like I could do it, but I love to sit down and put my thoughts on paper. And um, it's about a year ago past September, I had been two-thirds of the way through this story, and I'd just been writing away. It's another one of the things, just writing away. And somebody says, oh, I'd love to see a piece of it. Well, it took me a month and a half to get the courage up to send them a piece. She says, you know, I stayed up to 1.30 in the morning reading that. Oh. I need more. So she said she wanted to edit it, get it all set up, and have it published. Well, unfortunately, um, things didn't work out as well as I wanted it to, and we've had to do a lot of work on it since then. But it it was um it was a it was an adventure in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do any studying of writing, or you just wrote down your thoughts and then used the help I of just, an editor? Editing. I just write down my thoughts mm-hmm. and what felt good. I I if I go back over it, somehow that just doesn't sound like I would say it or just feel like it. And and uh, I I went over it a couple times to make sure everything felt right. When I said it, if I could say it out loud, it just made sense. Mm -hmm. How was it then for you to write dialogue? Awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be quite honest. It was awkward because I kept wanting to say, he said, she said, he said. That just sounded way too repetitive. So I had to learn to get a little more creative with it. So it was, that was, that was a little different, but uh, it was, um, Sometimes I would look up on my phone and see different words for replacing said mm-hmm. or she spoke or different words to replace them. So right. it didn't sound quite so repetitive as I went through. Yeah, is there a uh, sequel to this or is there another book coming? I am in the process of writing A, a sequel to this and B, another book entirely. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just, whenever I sit down and I just feel like I want to escape, that's what I do is start to write. And I was, so I spent a couple hours last night writing and I walk away from it. I feel fantastic. I feel like I've accomplished something and I feel elated actually half the time. So. I, I, I like that you said that because yeah, it's, it's almost like endorphins uh, kicking in when you're done with a mm-hmm. writing session. Yeah. 
It, 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 you've put something on paper that you feel proud of, and it, it's exciting because you know it's, well, what you think is very good. So it's not sure how anybody else, but if you like it, then it's good as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So. so when you're writing your characters, do you know where you're going or where you're going to take them, or do you follow them? Do they tell you where you're going? For the most part, I follow them. Mm-hmm. The story just the story just kind of leads me in a direction. Uh, both of the books I've got going now, I have no clue where they're leading. But when I sit down, it just feels like the storyline knows what it wants to do. And uh, there's, there's a mission for these characters. And I'll figure it out when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know when you're there, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you still feel the presence of the fox in your life or in your writing? Well, the marble fox was the the real one, and it was the silver fox that I saw. And yes, actually, I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I fully believe in spirit guides. I have a few of them. And uh, it depends on how I'm feeling and what I need. Um, and when I need just some logical, smart advice, my fox is there. And I can always ask, and and the answer is shown to me. It's it's amazing how wonderful it is. So, uh, and this is um, predominantly the reason I had it in this because they were there to help me. Mm-hmm. Wow, isn't that special? Mm. I love it. It proves we're not alone. It, mm-hmm. I mean, when even if I'm in a room by myself, I always have somebody to call on. Oh, I, wow, that is a gift, and. Uh... It's accessible to everyone, don't you think? I truly believe. I believe everybody has the ability. I know people who say, I don't believe it. And they turn around and they, the phone will ring. Oh, that's so-and-so. Well, what do you think that is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, um, more, I believe everybody has it to some extent, whether they want to block it off or not, it's up to them. But I, I believe everybody has some sort of ability. And if they would nurture it and cherish it, it would blossom into something wonderful. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. You know, as we're speaking, I, w- I was thinking that you would also be good with writing children's books, perhaps. You are not the second person that, you're the second person that said that to me in the last month. Oh, well, there you go. There's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, I'll look into that one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I had thought about writing a book about a rescue because, I mean, obviously I have two rescues here at home and I've had some in the past that were, have got some very interesting backstory, but um, I'd have to do it in a way that it, that children would grasp that it actually is a wonderful thing to rescue animals. So it's, it, that's another path that I would have to look in to see how I, how I do it. Mm-hmm. No, there's a lot there because there's, then you've, then you've got the age group situation. So do you want a picture book for little ones or do you want five to eight year olds or do you want to actually write a chapter book so that you could really explore the message you want to send? So yeah, there's a lot to yeah. think about. You're going to make me work, aren't you? I mean, <laughs> I love, to me, writing a book wasn't work. It was so much enjoyment. But now if I write a children's book, I'm going to have to do some research. Well, there you go. <laughs> you got to keep evolving. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Life is ever changing. Plus, it's just a way to share a very important message with younger people. So little children can grow up with that message in mind and maybe attract them to the cause a lot earlier. 
Yeah, and understand that just because a dog is frightened doesn't mean it's aggressive or anything mm-hmm. like that. It just it wasn't treated well in the past. So true. And maybe some extra love is all they need. And I like I'd like to get that message across. I agree. Often I have cats find me. I mean, cats just show up here as if I have a neon sign outside that says, if you're a cat, you're welcome here. Um, I'm always feeding somebody else. I don't know, you know, if they belong to somebody or if they're feral. But last year, some little sad, he looked like a senior cat with a bad leg. It was just covered in ticks. He showed up on the back deck and I started feeding him and I was able to catch him. uh, And I brought him to a vet and I was so shocked. This vet And obviously the animal was frightened and scared and started running around. This vet put on these huge gloves like you would to train a raptor as if there was a giant eagle in the room. And he had these giant gloves on and was chasing this cat around the room with a towel. Uh And the cat ran actually back into the carrier and and the vet says well there's nothing i can do here I'm like, oh my gosh you just mentioned you know just because an animal is scared doesn't mean that they're dangerous and i yeah. thought well this person does not need to be a vet because there was no understanding going on there yeah that that's so sad for a terrified animal mm-hmm. oh that that makes my heart cry me too i you know, and it's it's funny because you say that animals come to you. In the last year, I had two animals dropped off, two dogs dropped off to me. One, I was able, the owner was able to get better, so the dog was able to go back. People saying, you gave the dog back? I had the dog for nine months, and this woman had been in the hospital for so long, she couldn't move back into their home, her own home. So, and this was a Yorkie, and putting a Yorkie in with Boston Terriers is like putting raisins in chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the weirdest combination and it doesn't always work. But we made it work. I told her that I was not going to let any harm come to this dog and I want to make sure this dog got all the care it had. And uh, after after nine months, the woman recovered enough that she could actually stand up and get up three steps into her house. So I said, okay, if Molly's good with this, she can come back. And people are saying, you're giving the dog back? I said, it's hers for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And just because I had it for nine months doesn't mean I'm going to say absolutely no way. Right. Because it's an elderly woman. Not a month after this dog went back, somebody gives me a call. says, I got a dog. I got to find a home for it right now. And it's a Boston Terrier, exactly what we had. So it's, it's every time I turn around, somebody's trying to hand me another dog. Mm-hmm. I like, I can only have three <laughs> can only have three and I'm not sure I can handle three some days. <laughs> but it's it's funny how I'm I'm lucky. Our our vet is very good with our animals. They're very careful and they allow me to hold the animals so it feels more comfortable when they have to do the checking on them. So I, I really appreciate our appreciate our vet. I don't think there would be any way I'd be going to a vet that treated our animals like that. Yes. Yes. I I, I guess that breaks my heart. Very hurtful. And I've had not very good vet experiences, actually, because I've had some sick cats. And when when you take them in, they want to whisk them off into the back room where I can't even be there. And I've I've walked out of places to say, you know what, if I can't, I I would not drop off my toddler or my one-year-old or my infant and take have the pediatrician take the child to the back room while I sit and wait for an hour 
I'm not going to do that with my cat. So it's been a bit of a challenge to find vets who are willing to let you stay in the exam room. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yes, it's... That's incredible. Because we got this last this last little boy we've got. He has a lot of health issues. He hasn't been to a vet in four years. He's only four years old. And I'm the one that had to lift him. I'm the one that had to hold him because they literally could not handle this. I mean, it was just, that was it. It was a blob on the thing. She couldn't lift him off the thing. I said, let me do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked really well together only because the dog started to trust me. Right. And I think sometimes you'll know the right vet when they'll know to working with you gets them 10 times further. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I truly hope you do find that person soon because uh, no animal needs to be scared. No, no. it's taking, it, taking them away from the person who's caring for them is not a good thing for them. I actually walked back into an emergency room that once. They said, no, you can't have your cat back. Uh, we have to have formal discharge. I said, you know what? I've already paid. I've seen the vet four times. There's nothing left to say. And they kept saying, no, you, you can't. You, you're going to have to sit there and wait. And I was already there two hours. I told my husband, watch this. And I just walked back into the emergency room. Everyone jumped up and started yelling at me. Like, you can't be in here. I'm like, well, I don't want to be in here, but I need my cat back and then I will leave. And so we had a big hubbub there, but I thought <laughs> I've, I've got to do what's best for this little kitty. And I don't care what you say. So it was a bold move. Well, sometimes that's what it needs <laughs> exactly. in order for them to understand. Oh my gosh, we got sidetracked here. Let's <laughs> <laughs> about that. No, it's my fault. It's my it's fault. It's a great topic. Animals are a great topic. I and, know. And, and this is what I love to talk about in my book is, is the connection between Jimmy, the main character, and the animals in the book. Right, right. All right. Well, I apologize for taking us astray. So let's talk about your book cover. I, I do like your current book cover, but I think it went through several iterations, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, this is uh, the the original cover was not of my liking, not of my design, and not of my approval. And the person who I had hired to edit this decided to take that and run with it. Of course, once it's put out on Amazon, they won't change that. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, that book cover is out there for all to see, to my embarrassment. And uh, since then, I have updated the cover to the one with the fox and uh, the two people on it. Yeah. And that, that one I truly love. It more is representation, more, um, it, it depicts the book more accurately Absolutely. than the first one did. Absolutely. Did you do the cover? Did you help design it? Uh, no. I Well, I hired a company to do it, uh-huh. and we did a lot of back and forth uh saying what looks good and what didn't look good and what would be better on the cover. So it was it was a company I did hire to do it, uh, but there was a lot of collaboration sure. back and forth to make it pop, make it look better. Yep. Well, it's a good job. So I'm glad you got it all where it needs to be and sorry for the difficult process, but... Uh... It's a learning curve. Not much you can do about it. No, there isn't. Take it in stride and your next book will happen a whole lot easier. Yeah. Now I know what steps not to take. (laughs) Exactly. I'll never do that again. (laughs) So what's been the feedback from folks who have read the book or from folks on Amazon? What have you been hearing? 
Um, uh, people love how this, how the wording is and how the storyline flows. Um, I've had people, I've had several people ask me if there is a sequel to the book, which is in the process right now. Uh, I've had a, people, a lot of people say that they do like the book. They enjoyed it. It was, it was a great adventure. Mm-hmm. And they love the interaction between the characters. Yes, yes, I read that as well. That's good. That gives you some good feedback to help you move forward. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend, I want to make sure that we're not missing anything that you might have wanted to highlight today. No, <laughs> we had a good conversation. <laughs> we did. We had a good conversation, we, animals and all. We traveled around. Well, you know what? It is very much germane to who you are. And who, yes, and who you are is what's represented in your book and in your upcoming book. So often I like that where we could really get a feel for the author and not so much about the inner workings of the actual book, because we don't want any spoiler alerts and we want folks to get a copy of the book. So uh, as far as contact information, where we where do we want to send folks to get copies of your book? Uh, Amazon.com or .ca. Um, it's Lost Heritage and the author's P.J. Mahoney. Look for the silver fox on the cover. Ah, the silver fox. Alrighty. And the second book, when do you think that'll be out? <laughs> Depends on how fast I can write. <laughs> Depends on. <laughs> um, I'm not sure when the sequel's coming out because I'm focusing on uh, another book right now and I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get it done. Uh, by summer. I'd, I'd like to get it out by the end of spring. Right. Working well, on that. just stay in touch with us. I'm interested to see and, and see what comes next with the next book. So we're talking with PJ Mahoney. The book is titled Lost Heritage, which you can find at Amazon.com and it's listed under PJ Mahoney. Were there periods after the name or just PJ? It's just PJ Mahoney. Okay, got it, got it. Well, my friend, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your book with the Firebird Book Awards. And uh, let's do more. I really enjoyed this conversation. And thank you very much for having me. 